What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Chelsea, back at it again with an episode of CNN, a.k.a. Chelsea News Network. Happy Black History Month, everybody. I know this is the last day of Black History Month, but I cannot let the month go by without an episode. But I am not alone. I have two very special guests. I've been trying to get them on an episode for a minute, so I'm glad that I was able to get them on there. So I'm going to give them a chance to introduce themselves and we can get started. One of y'all can go. It doesn't matter who. Hey, 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 y'all. Um, this is your girl, Chanel H. Dog. Nah, uh, Anderson, <laughs> uh, the Black Student Union president. I'm so excited to be here with Chelsea. Period. <laughs> hey, I'm Lauren. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> hey, I'm Lauren. Like, I don't know what to say. I'm a sophomore in IPY. I'm majoring in art. I'm a painting major. Period. <laughs> Like, Hit me up if you want some art. And that's on period because <laughs> she making my Zeta TV. Follow her art page. <laughs> okay. Um, but the title of this episode is My Black Is. And in celebrating February, which is Black History Month, I wanted to dedicate this episode to just all the greatness that is black, but also recognizing um, the hills that we've had to, you know, overcome and the triumphs that we have made over those hills. So before we get into our topics, the first thing I want y'all to do is finish the sentence, my black is. Anybody can start. Anybody can start. Um, when I think about it, I would think my black is complicated. I like that. Expound. I say complicated because, like, people really don't understand how it is to be a black person in America. Mm-hmm. Like, I have this conversation with another friend and, like, I don't think white people really understand how hard it is day to day just being a black person and just going through regular things like we have stress mm-hmm. that's just built up like and it's just crazy because like I just can't like walk out of my room and do something the same way as a white person can. I like I have to be cautious about it. Mm-hmm. I have to overthink things and I just it's just complicated to me. So, yeah. Okay. Mm, okay, Lord. <laughs> my black is power okay. um i really do believe that it is just such an honor to be black i really do uh, um and so where people look at us as inferior or they they try to convince themselves that we're inferior there is something that is innately in us through each generation that continues to show how powerful we truly are mm-hmm. and you can look at it on any spectrum education health politics economics it doesn't matter we outshine and go above and beyond without even really trying it's power it truly is i love that nothing but facts Um, If I had to choose anything, I would say that my black is non-monolithic. One of the greatest things I think about being black is that we come in so many diverse backgrounds. Um, There's not just one way to be black. Um, There's just so, like I said, there's so many different ways of being black. I often think of being black as a rainbow. There are so many shades, so many different creeds, so many different backgrounds. Um, And that's the beauty of it is that, you know, our ancestors came to this to this country being told to strip themselves of everything that they ever knew um whether that be their culture the way that they dance the way that they dress the music they listen to the language that they spoke the food that they ate the way that they wore their hair everything of that was stripped and they came to this country and innovated a new way of being what it is to be black but they took that innovation and made it into these various different ways that we you know we come accustomed to now and i think that's the beauty of being black is that it's non-monolithic you're not i'm not the same 
the black person that I am is not the black person that Chanel is. The black person that Chanel is is not the black person that Lauren is. Um, and I think that's just so beautiful is because we come from these diverse situ these diverse backgrounds and we have that foundation of being black, but our experiences of being black women in America are totally different. Um, and we're able to learn from each other and bounce ideas off of each other because of that. So if I had to say anything, my black is non-monolithic. My black is a rainbow. Okay. Okay. Black is a rainbow. Right. Black is a Put rainbow. that on a t-shirt. Right. Put that Merch. On... Merch yes. coming soon. Yes. <laughs> my black is. A... Don't nobody steal that. I'm getting it copyrighted. My black is a rainbow, and I'm gonna have different shades of yes. like black and brown. I Ta- got you. I'm an artist. Then, I'm an artist. You're gonna make. I got. You're this. gonna make the design. We're gonna call Ariane's boyfriend up, Andre. If you're listening to this, we're calling you up soon. We're making. Buko but yeah. Happy Black History Month. Support Black businesses. <laughs> Literally. Um, <laughs> so getting back into that. Actually, at the end of this episode, I am going to shout out a couple of Black businesses that y'all need to go support. And if y'all are following my page, make sure y'all have been looking at my Support Black Creators campaign that I've been doing this past month. Um, and make sure y'all are following those individuals and supporting their businesses and other things. But anyway, um, getting back to the next topic. So the next topic is... What was it like being a black person in America during summer 2020? In one word. It's scary. One word. My In one God. word. <laughs> one word. Um, draining. Dang, that was the a good grief, one. Right. I was going to say something similar to that. Um, I would say heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw this country that for years prior to not really receiving that knowledge of what this country actually did to black people, you grew up um, being told that America is the greatest country in the world. You're granted all these freedoms because of our founding fathers and stuff like that. And then you see this country that you grew up learning that you grew up saying the Pledge of Allegiance to really turn its back on its own. The people that really helped build this country, that helped make it what it is today. The culture that you thrive did off be of. Did be literally. Yeah. And did. The culture that you thrive off of is because of the people that built this country. And to see this country turn its back on its own was heartbreaking because you actually had people that looked like us that did the same thing. Um, and in itself, like it just it it sucked. It yeah. sucked. It was it was like Lauren said, it was scary to think about because I was so scared for my brothers. I was scared for myself. But my brothers being black men and my brothers are not the smallest black men. So these are big black dudes walking out. I was mm-hmm. so scared for my brothers and my nephews, like not thinking that I would be able to see them. I remember um, the day that George, George Floyd died. I actually called my brother. I either called or texted him. I don't remember. But I was like, I love you. If you don't never hear me say it again, I love you. Because it was that moment. And you never think that you would ever have to say that if I never hear from you again. I just want you to know that I love you. Because of the way, because of the skin color that your family never possesses. I don't know if I would say that. I've always felt hyper vigilant about that because of maybe my surroundings of where I live. You know, I was brought up in the hood. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I ain't gonna throw up no. I ain't gonna throw up no gang signs. No, no, but, <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? And so growing up where I come from, we see all types of stuff. You know what I'm saying? And one of the things you 
would see is police brutality and it's normal it's normal for a black man to be walking down the street with his groceries on a hot ass summer day and get stopped by the police and just out of nowhere get frisked with his face on hot pavement that's not you know unheard of so being you know exposed to that i always have felt like i've had to show people that i know that i love you know, I'm, I'm here. I love y'all. You know what I'm saying? Be careful. Be safe. Always got to have that conversation, you know. Mm-hmm. If the if police pull you over, you know, what are you supposed to do? Um, so on and so forth. But to kind of double back to your question, it was draining. But also, for some of us, it was an awakening. Because mm-hmm. we were able to see... we, It was a space where not only white people were able to show some type of empathy for black people. <laughs> but it was also a space where black people that had been snowed to believe mm-hmm. this idea that America was giving them stripped mm-hmm. for truly what it is. Mm-hmm. Also, a constant reinforcement for folks that were already on it and already knew what was up. Mm-hmm. It was a bridging of communication and connectivity for those two groups of people, three, four, depending on, you know, wherever you're coming from, Mm -hmm. to come together. Because like you said, black is not monolith, right? So black is not monolithic. There are different people that are going to have different perspectives, but there was nothing that we could deny on that eight and some second video. Absolutely. was horrific. It was a space where we could all come together and say, look, if you didn't know you was a victim, if you didn't know you was a target, if you didn't know nobody cared, if you didn't know who the hell you could call on, you know now. Mm-hmm. And now we have to have each other's back. Absolutely. So yes. I really appreciate it. Um, being able to be with black folks in a space like that, even though we couldn't physically be yeah. together. I think the pandemic made it even worse. Yeah. 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 Did you have anything to add? Um, well, like Chanel was saying, like for me, growing up, because I still grew up in the hood, but upstate like it wasn't how it is in like different places or like down here like mm-hmm. i didn't necessarily see too many people getting pulled over or being harassed by cops so like when it happens in my city like it's like whoa like this is actually happening because you don't hear about it mm-hmm. either they cover it up under the rug and i ain't never heard about it or like it just doesn't happen so like seeing this happen on like a national level mm-hmm. was the scariest thing for me like I had a whole anxiety attack. I had to get off of social media. Mm-hmm. I was scared for my life. Like, people will just kill you for no reason. No reason at all. Like, this whole summer was just a very scary and eye-opening... Absolutely. ...like, event. And, like, it just makes you super cautious about what you do. And it's just very sad that, as black people, we have to be cautious about everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Because you can't even go to sleep. Breonna Taylor. Sleep. Can't even go to sleep. Sleep in your house. You can't do nothing. Can't walk. Can't eat. Nothing. Without the police getting called on you. And you hoping that nothing pops off. It's ridiculous. It's just very ridiculous. I I definitely agree. Like, even now when I see IUPD, like... I in my mind I'm like do I have my crimson card on me where is it visible at where I ain't got to reach into my pockets or nothing so they don't think I'm doing anything like even seeing IUPD freaking rent cops even seeing even seeing IUPD like I tense up like because I never know what could happen in that space like this literally could be my last time standing here breathing like you never know what could happen in that space and it was just terrifying because it's like 
I didn't ask to be here. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if you get down to the, the, the foundation of it, I did not ask to be here. I didn't ask to be black. Like, that's, if you really want to talk about it, my ancestors didn't ask to be, be here. We now. was over in Africa minding our black business, and you decided to come over there and bother us. Yeah. We was living as kings and queens minding our black business. <laughs> we was kings. Literally, minding <laughs> our black business. You came over, disrupted our feng shui. And right. brought us over here, and now you mad that we here? Like literally, make right. it make sense so we can make sense. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, it was just like, I don't think like you. Getting back to the point that you made earlier is that people don't realize the, and I don't want to make it seem like that I'm complaining about being black because I'm not. I love being black. I think being a black person is the greatest thing that you could ever be Absolutely. in life. Wouldn't other be... than being a child of God, being black <laughs> is the greatest thing that yes. you could ever be. Because being black is lit. Okay, we are lit. We black people are lit. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> black people are lit. But I don't think like you said, I don't think people understand the stress and the anxiety that you wake up with sometimes in the morning because you are a black person. Like the stuff that you have to maneuver through in your mind before you step out of your house, okay? Make sure that your driver's license and your license and your registration is somewhere that's visible just in case you get pulled over. Make sure that when you're in a space that's mostly majority white people, that you're talking in a manner that's not going to come off as aggressive and loud and angry. Mm -hmm. Like the stuff that we have to maneuver through everyday life, nobody else in this country can understand that. Um, And even in the dorm. Like I feel that way. Like Girl, I feel you like I get me started on that. I can't even. I feel like I can't even be myself in the dorm because mm-hmm. you know, as black women, we protect our hair. I wear bonnets, and I don't like how I'm like. Oh, let me not wear that outside of my room. No, same. because white people are gonna think something about me. Like I'm scared to go out of my room, do certain things like you. Like, oh, where's my crimson card? Just in case somebody's like, oh, do you live here? Like, mm-hmm. it's messed up, and it shouldn't be that way. Like, I live here. No, seriously. Like, I in the morning when I wake up, like when I go to wash my face or whatever, I take my bonnet off before I leave out of my room. Yes, because I don't. I do even too. though I live on, even though my residents are all diverse, like I have the deep floor, which is the diversity, mm-hmm. the diversity floor. So all of my residents are mostly black and brown students. I still. Because you never know who might cross through my floor. Exactly. I still take my bonnet off before I leave out of my room because I don't want anybody like, there she go. Yeah. You get her. I literally like, hide mine in a hoodie. I put a hood on yes. and go to the bathroom because I don't want to be judged. Mm-hmm. And it's messed up and it shouldn't be that way. And I just really wish that we had like a black residence hall. I wish that we had one. Girl. Because, you know what I think is very interesting? Um, and I know this might be a little lot to- topic too. Two things. The first thing is, is this fan- this fantasizing what America is. Mm-hmm. Like, prior to George Floyd, I don't know where the state of black folks was at. I mm-hmm. do know that there was an energy that was rising, that was building, that was mm-hmm. you could feel it. You could feel it on you could see it on social media. We were no longer uh content. We were trying to find ways to mm-hmm. organize and come together before um his death. So I know that when he died there was the straw that broke the camel's it back. was that, yeah. that brought us together to want to move to mobilize. But this fantasizing that we have been doing living in a bubble like mm-hmm. absolutely like there's like we're not at risk that's mm-hmm. the first thing the second thing is that what lauren said reminded me of segregation mm-hmm. right when she said i wish we had a black dorm now 56 years ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> right 
But what does it say? What does it say? It challenges integration. It challenges the way when we decided that we, when Dr. King said, you know, I'm afraid that I'm um, integrating folks into a burning house or into a burning building, Mm -hmm. excuse me. Was it to say that we should not integrate? No, what was it to say is that when we did integrate, there were a lot of changes that happened, Mm -hmm. but it's not always for the best. Absolutely. Right? No. So... When we say we have to find who we are, I wish I could just be comfortable if I could just do mm-hmm. this, if I could just do that. There is a sense of ourselves where we have to say, okay, is there something in me where I need to be like, okay, what can I do to make myself comfortable? Because I refuse to continue to be uncomfortable in the space that I'm already a part of. Right. Right. But there were some things that happened that had that had taken place that had sh- that stripped us a little bit of how close we were as a black community mm-hmm. when we integrated with white folks. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that we should look a little closer at because then we get to looking into classism. We start looking at these other, these other things. And I know this isn't necessarily related completely to George Floyd, but I think that this wool being pulled back with COVID-19 of how capitalism and the structure of America is being constantly um, challenged there are a lot of different things that we can look at. So it just reminds me of like what you're saying about like how you wish that there was a space where you didn't have to worry about those things. I'm curious to know the perspective of some of your grandmother or your mm-hmm. great grandmother when they were standing on the other side saying mm-hmm. all we wanted was equi- equality because they thought equality was integration. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That, ooh. Yeah. I don't know. Just that was low key. That's a topic for BSU. Is equality always integration? Because for me, I really thought that that's what it was. Yeah. Growing up and reading all the stuff that you know people like MLK and Rosa Parks did for the equality of Black people, I always thought equality was integration and having the exact same things that white people did. Mm-hmm. But is equality is equity always integration? For me personally, looking back on it now, no. And I think no. that's what Dr. King was realizing that it was isn't always yeah. integration. Mm-hmm. That even though we was getting into their spaces, they still was treating it like treating us like crap. They still and they still found maneuvers resources. for mm-hmm. us not to be in those spaces. Yeah. Like even now at IEPY, IEPY, they cannot discriminate against you for your skin color and not let you into your school because shut up, <laughs> not let you into IEPY because of your skin color. But when you get into the space at IEPY, it's still. However, the looks in class, the way the teachers speak to you and say yeah, certain things now. to you. It's now. still sororities and fraternities. Yes, I'm calling out FSL. It's still for sororities and fraternities not wanting to associate with MPHC because of the way that we look and the way that we act and the way that we stroll and the way that we dance, even though y'all be trying to copy off us. But that's neither here nor there. That's a topic for another day. <laughs> it's IUPUI still not wanting to give us a Black Student Cultural Center because that's not Come the way that they want to move. Come on down. Equality, equity, you're hearing this from me now live on CNN. It's not always integration. Because they let you into these spaces, but they'll still say you still a nigga in my eyes. Literally. Mm. Period. And if anybody get mad, I'm talking about you. (laughs) Get the shoe fits. Where that hoe and Tyra Banks walking it. Straight. I don't think I knew what I was getting into. I got up for this. And you know it's it's funny because for a very long time, a lot of people, a lot of people actually, when I started this podcast, they were like, "Chelsea, I'm so surprised." Like people who've known me a long time, mm-hmm. like I'm so surprised at how blunt you are on this podcast. And it's I surprised myself because for the longest time, you would not get me to talk 
about people, to talk about institutions the way that I was. And I think after Trayvon Martin, after Michael Brown, after Sandra Bland, Philando Castile, Eric Gardner, all the people in between that we don't hear about, Literally. George Floyd, Drayshawn Reed, Breonna Taylor, Elijah McClain, it was just like, okay, enough is enough. Me being the the quiet black girl that doesn't make any waves, yeah. it ain't working for y'all. So you know what? Let me turn it up a notch. Now y'all gonna hear my mouth about it because nothing's being done. Um, so like Chanel, getting to Chanel's point, it brought an awakening out of me. I think I was already conscious about what was going on in my country, mm-hmm. but not conscious enough to speak out about it. And there's a quote that James Baldwin said, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't know it exactly, but it's to be black and conscious in America is to be relatively enraged all the time. I paraphrase because I don't know the exact quote. <laughs> but like when I really started recognizing who I am as a black woman in America and realizing all the things that was going on in our nation, it was just like, yeah, now's the time to start doing something about it. Yeah. So on this podcast, y'all gonna hear my mouth. <laughs> y'all gonna hear my mouth every single time. <laughs> Every single time. Been suppressed for too long. Every single time. Hmm. Every single time. Um, but that brings me to my next topic about being a black woman. What is that like? Speaking to, because we are all three different black women from three different walks of life. <laughs> <laughs> what is that like for you being a black woman in America? <laughs> Not that y'all. Would you like to get first? <laughs> like i don't think there's any comparison literally i can't compare it to anything mm-hmm. i'm realizing even generationally because I'm, I'm looking at just having to unlearn so much absolutely um and we can talk about that while we're in here unlearning those stereotypes yeah just unlearning so much that my grandmother was taught that taught my mama that mm-hmm. taught me right so like some of those things i'm looking at and one of those things i just put out there is our hair so and I know you said, what is it like to be a black woman? But it's hard for me to talk about identity without talking about, talking about some of the things that make us who we are. Mm-hmm. And that would be our hair. And I remember when I decided to go natural and my mama was like, mm, same, same, same. Oh, same. I cut my hair and she was just like, you going to wear your hair like, like that? I stopped getting, I, I stopped getting perms. My mama said, have whoa. you lost your mind? You're going to go out, right? You're going to go out the, the house, house looking, looking like, like that? that. Okay. Right. So what does that say? You know, because they, they were strong at what they felt. They didn't mm-hmm. believe they were wrong for that. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think that I'm saying that they were wrong for they were only taught what they had known. Absolutely. Yeah. And the best way that they believed that they could navigate here in this country but on the other side as we are unlearning and unpacking some things i'm also learning that i'm not going to be able to compare any of my oh i'm not going to be able to compare (laughs) any of my experiences to anything Mm -hmm. but the experiences that i'm having solely and mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, they'd be like, okay, well, what's it like to, there's no like. Mm-hmm. There is nothing like it, actually. Absolutely. Except but to be it. And if you can't be it, <laughs> baby, because your genetics didn't bless you that way, I can't help And that's okay. Okay. Listen, okay. If you can't we'll be it, then you, you just won't <laughs> never know. Absolutely. Exactly. Right? And some people get privy into our lifestyle, into our conversations, and how we um, connect with one another. Mm-hmm. And they may want it, but they could you can't. Never. You could never. They could never. You can never. What's what's it? And that's on roses. Do you hear? (laughs) So 
it's in us. Mm-hmm. What we have is in us. It was birthed in us. So nothing, there's nothing like it. Um, but if I could talk about experiences, I would just say I'm hyper-conscious about everything all the time. Mm-hmm. And now I've also had to learn a radical self-care that what I'm realizing is even harder for me mm-hmm. than stress. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's harder for me to practice an everyday self-care routine than to just stress about it and get it done. Right. Mm-hmm. I said, now, there is something unhealthy in this situation. <laughs> Why? Because I am conditioned to be the one to get it done. I'm conditioned to be the strong, the strong one, black the woman, one, the courageous one, the one that I that ain't going to ask for no help. The one that's, you know what I'm saying? These are the mm-hmm. things that I'm conditioned to do. And mm-hmm. I have to step back and say, listen, there's only so much that I'm going to be able to do. And I can't do everything for everybody. Absolutely. So, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you just... T- you just hit, hit the, the nail on the head, head right? <laughs> Cause that, yes, absolutely, absolutely. You're welcome to go next. <laughs> I know, I know, but she basically she said, everything. said everything. Yes, because that's literally how it is. It's just wow. Yeah, can't nobody ever be us. You can never go through what I go through on a daily. You could never, ever, ever. You don't understand what it's like being me, going, being stressed all the time. Not knowing how to cope with things, having this generational like mental health mm-hmm. problems that you know black people always want to sweep under the rug. Oh, that's another. Come on, mm-hmm. come on now. But We're talking about to. it. We're but talking about to. it. But had to, cause who could, who could afford to talk about mental health when you hungry though? That's true. When you got bills. Well, wait, who gonna help you? Mm, who, yeah. Where is the help? Yeah. Ain't no help. The war on drugs. Child. The war on the poor. Yes. Now we got an opioid crisis. Oh my goodness. So we must get them everything because it's an addiction disorder. We have to save our people. We have to save them because they white and they strung out. And now mm-hmm. they overdosing in front of y'all kids exactly. in the car. Absolutely. That's the only reason. But when we were strung out. It wasn't no damn disorder. Y'all right. was y'all was raiding They're junkies, through. Y'all They're was poor. Raiding through. Right. Get y'all them out. Was raiding through neighborhoods like we was animals. Where was the resources then? Come on now. So I'm not really all that interested when I'm hearing people talking about addiction and different things. And then of course this is not popular opinion. Um, because I have seen it and I have been up close with it and the type of compassion that I'm seeing now that white folks are going through it a lot more is really disheartening to to really say the least Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to say the least i don't even know how we got on drugs it was me (laughs) it was me (laughs) um i think for me being um being a black woman in america because i had a different experience and a different background and different upbringing than y'all i grew up in the church um and i grew up with very conservative black parents i'm not gonna say that my parents were Republicans, because my parents don't vote, but a lot of the things that the Republican, that's you know, I done gave that to the, <laughs> I done gave that one to the Lord. Did you um, tell the, did the people know that? Or this is new. You dropping new tea. Well, my parents don't vote. I, I feel like I've said this to y'all before, but if I didn't, Your mommy, daddy, she gonna be like, really, Chelsea? She gonna make a business out there. Right? <laughs> my, mommy, I love you. <laughs> uh, but no, my parents don't vote, and I grew up. So, like I said, um, but I feel like a lot of the things that the Republican Party lines up with i feel like that was my parents Mm -hmm. um and for me i feel like that was just the way that they were raised um but like i grew up in a very conservative household so a lot of the things that y'all experienced my parents shielded me from 
Mm-hmm. So um, what did we experience? That you don't think no, we as experience? far as no, what I was saying was Chanel. I was <laughs> saying that a lot of the stuff like police brutality, um, like just drugs and stuff, like all of that that y'all talked about from y'all's experience. My parents didn't let me know about any of that. Like, really, so watching, they shielded you. They shielded me from a lot of it, and. I knew for me, like, growing up, I was a big history buff. I love to read. Um, and, like, my teachers would teach me about the same stuff over and over again. It's like, there's more to history, yes. black history, than just MLK, Rosa, Rosa Parks. Parks. And for a long time, they did not teach me about Malcolm X. Because yeah. Brother Malcolm was with that was with that <laughs> stuff. Brother Malcolm was with that stuff. And for a long time, Grand I noticed. about Huey. They didn't teach us about Bobby, Angela, Mar- I had Fred. To a whole they didn't teach us about none of that. And being the being the child that I was, my mother would tell you this. I asked questions all the time. I wanted to know why. If my right. mama said because I said so, because why? Right. But why did you say so? Like <laughs> I was that kid. I was very inquisitive child. So growing up and looking back and in a retrospect, I realized the reason why my teachers didn't teach me about Fred, Angela. Bobby, Huey. I realized why they didn't teach me about Malcolm's because the the radical sense of equality and equity that these people had, they didn't want them young kids learning about that because I feel like once that's why I'm an education major. Because I feel like once you give that child that outlet to all that history, mm-hmm. that child becomes a revolutionary. Um and Lauren knows that I love this freaking quote by Fred by Fred Hampton. I love this quote. You, you can kill a what did, what did he say? I don't want to I don't want to misquote him. The my favorite part is when he says, I am a revolutionary. And once you give that child that opportunity to know all of the history and not just the whitewashed version mm-hmm. of American history, you give them all the facts and details and you lay it out raw. That child becomes a revolutionary. And that's what I was. I was like, okay, y'all not telling me what I need to know. So let me go to the library. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let me go to the library. Let me start reading for myself. And at eight years old, I was reading books like the autobiography of Malcolm X. Like, not really understanding everything that he was saying. Because <laughs> some of them words that he used was big. But, like, I was reading that stuff. By the time I was 12 years old, I was reason- reading The Soul of Black Folks by W.E.B. Du Bois. Like, I was reading that stuff. Like, my teachers was not going to have me looking a fool in these classes like y'all was not about to whitewash history for me got in trouble a lot of times <laughs> because i was like no that's not right but getting back to my point i think for me being a black child in america i had being a black woman in america i had to learn a lot of that stuff on my own because i and i think my parents did it to protect me but i think in the end it kind of harmed me because i went into different situations very ignorant mm-hmm. um a lot of the things that i would say was very ignorant mm-hmm. and it took me being around people like chanel being around people in bsu being around people in social justice scholars to realize that ooh, some of the stuff you say some of the stuff you was brought up on that ain't right yeah. that's not okay like i remember back in high school i would say all the time like i got nigga hair my hair is so ugly. My hair is so nappy. And it took a girl. Her name was Brielle. She was a year older than me. Ain't nothing like a name that you can recall to a circle sick. Really? Talk about your experiences. Like, her name was Brielle. I'll never forget her. She actually goes to Purdue now. Shout out to you. Um, she said, Chelsea, don't ever say that again. Don't ever say that. Your hair is beautiful. Don't ever say that again. And I remember, like, crying because I was like, I never had outside of her i had never had anybody tell me that because i remember when i first stopped getting perms and i went natural my mom was like 
You yeah. you just don't walk out the house like that. I remember my granny said my hair looked a hot mess. My mm-hmm. hair was all over my head. I looked like I don't. My daddy told me I don't look like I've been electrocuted. So even after I stopped getting perms, I started putting heat on my hair all the time. And I'm so mad because I put a picture on Snapchat. I think it was my senior year of high school. My hair looked so healthy and so nice. And I just started putting a whole bunch of heat on it because I was tired of people talking about my hair. Um, and yeah, I had to unlearn all, like Chanel said, I had to unlearn all that stuff that I was taught as a child. Um, like just different things, like the whole colorism thing between dark skin and black skin women, dark skin and light skin women. Most of my family on some, my mama's side is light, are lighter skin. Mm-hmm. And then like me, my sister, and maybe some of my other cousins are darker skin. And it was a lot of, oh, that big black lady or that dark skin or like just different stuff like that. And it was just like, looking back on it, I'm like, that's not okay. Yeah. That's not okay at all. Like, because what are we, what are we telling our daughters? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember I had a um, conversation with my aunt in the car um, just about the way that we raise our our daughters versus our sons, and we kind of don't give our sons raise our sons on accountability as much as we do our daughters. Um, and that was another thing that I had to unlearn is that stuff that happens to me is not my fault. I was yeah. sexually assaulted when I was fourteen years old, and I really was terrified to tell my parents because I was scared that they thought I was going to be asking for it. And, like, that's Mm -hmm. no fault of their own because of what they was raised. And I think that was another thing that I had to learn is that most of the times the things that our parents tell us, the things that our parents teach us, the things that our grandmothers teach us is because of what they learn from their parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was another thing that I had to learn is that this generational thing, somebody got to stop the cycle. Somebody got to break in. And if that got to be me, it's going to be me. Because my daughter's not going to grow up thinking that her dark skin is ugly. She's not going to think that her natural hair is ugly. My daughter will never get a perm. Ever. Literally. I'm My actually will never get a for, like, my child. to be a parent yes. soon. Because I know Wait, for a soon? fact. No. You're saying no, you're having no, a baby? No, I'm getting a jo- godchild? No, I'm getting that, a godchild? No. no. Okay. I thought I'm it was. I'm saying like I'm in years to come because, what? you know, like we said, all this unpacking, mm-hmm. we can do, do that, that for our, our child. child. They don't have to do that. So they won't grow up. With that whole mentality, like, oh, my hair is ugly, this is ugly, that's ugly. No, we're going to tell them, like, it's okay to be this way, Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with you. So, I'm excited to have, like, these conversations with my kids and about mental health, Mm -hmm. all of this. Like, I am excited for this. You can have them sooner than later. Okay, no, absolutely not. Also makes me think about, too, because I've been on this journey of extracting principles from situations that I have um, experienced. And so long story short, um, if when I was younger, my mother would say, um, go get the brush upstairs. And when she said that there were a few things she meant now quickly, now and quickly. Can't <laughs> <laughs> do it with a quick. Don't be looking all around. Sing it. Go get it. Go right. get it and come back. Move with a purpose. Now, somebody would have, you know, what is that? What, what are you saying? Shane? What I'm saying is the principle from that is that I learned that some things in life are time sensitive. That's the principle. Mm-hmm. And the second thing that I learned is that I need to also pay attention and be focused about whatever it is I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. right those are principles that you extract i think that our parents and each generation does this where they're like i'm not gonna do that with my kids and i'm gonna do this with my kids so they kind of leave some things away you know what i'm saying and then they're like dang i should have did this with them so they could have mm-hmm. the things that my you know what i'm saying 
And I want us to be conscious too, as we are unpacking different things, we should also be just as intentional about mm -hmm. incorporating some of the things that they did teach us because one, culture is embedded in it. And two, um, there are things that they're going to need for survival. So like my mom, um, it's very big on like decor. My God, she just likes to decorate. She knows about all the laying of the forks and the knives and the, and the goes on Fancy. the side. All that. You know what I'm saying? Salad fork goes on the right. left side. <laughs> you know if y'all ain't never seen ATL, it just flew over y'all head. <laughs> I'm saying all that to say is that as we're able to unpack this with our children, we need to also extract those principles. The same mm -hmm. reason why we're learning about Fred Hampton, why we're learning about Stokely Carmichael, why we're learning about Angela Davis, about Claudette. Like these are individuals that maybe didn't do things perfectly. Mm -hmm. Both the things that they did do and it worked, we need to extract those Absolutely. things so that we can pour those principles into our young folks. And I think that that's something that um, I would like to see happen more now is instead of saying, uh, -uh I ain't doing it, I'm going to leave that over there. Uh, my kids, I ain't going to talk to my kids like that. I ain't going to do that to my kids. Well, your kids need to learn something about some quickness. Mm -hmm, you know yeah. why? Because guess what? You'll get onto a job and I don't know if y'all have ever like worked work, but you will see people dawdle like it'll take me. Hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you had a mother that taught you something Hurry about a the heck up. you would have some speed about yourself. Because best believe John and Felicia on Sundays, if you're not ready by 945 to get out that yeah. house, you getting left. And if I leave you because you of ready? church, we're going to have an issue when <laughs> I get, get back. Listen, <laughs> there are some principles to be extracted out of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just asking, you know, that we look into that because as we're doing this unpacking, um, but I, I think it's beautiful. We are definitely embarking on a, a new journey of blackness. I agree. Yes. I absolutely agree. I still think Lauren should have a child no, soon so I can have a godchild. No. So. When are you in? Like, graduated? Yeah. Uh, 2024. Okay. Is she climbing? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'll be in D.C., but like... I can always FaceTime you and say, What's hey. a human on you? Right. Yeah. Uh -huh. Putting that into the Atmosphere. universe. Right. <laughs> I Let's be, not manifest that right now. I'm manifesting. No. Twins. I no. I'm going to be done. <laughs> I get to, I'm done. <laughs> I seen a meme that said, I'm tired of hearing normalized manifest. No, invest. seriously, I hate the word manifest. Like, be Simone, right. put that word out there, and then everybody in their mouth is not using it. I'm manifest. sick. Of, I'm sick of hearing the word manifest. I hate the word manifest. I hate that word. <laughs> I hate the word normalize. Normalize. But invest. You know but you know what, too? It kind of talks about, like, black people have always had a, a way that we speak. Like, we always mm -hmm. had, we've always had our own language. Even though our original language was stripped from us. Um, and I said that to say that sometimes we have words, but we um, strip the true weight and meaning mm -hmm. that they carry, right? So when um, it was a song, I don't know what, I'm a savage. <laughs> Classy, Classy, bougie, bougie right? Right. And my granny was like, you're what? <laughs> you're a savage. I was like, well... <laughs> uh, <laughs> what I meant by savage, right? Was, it's French right. for salon. Right, right. <laughs> she said absolutely. Not. I was like, I was like, well, make the stallion be like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, so she can be up on game too, because I need my granny to be up on game. Mama made the stallion was like, she a savage, which went. So I was like, my, my, I was like, you know, I told my mama to say she was like a savage. Do you know who they thought were savages? Mm -hmm. I was like. Oh, this escalated quickly. <laughs> right. It's one of those things where you try to make a joke and your parents is like, like, that's not funny. Right. At all. Because, okay, I'm sorry. Right. Barbaric. You're right. <laughs> bar barbaric. Have no civilization. I said, oh, 
so that, that is the definition of the right mm-hmm. so our words are powerful and i think that um that's something that we have to take into us we speak life into one another and absolutely you know, being careful so we're like let's normalize this let's manifest that what are we really saying mm-hmm. right because um miss uh sandra gay on our panel on friday ah. said say what you mean and mean what you say but be clear and articulate in what you're saying and speak mm-hmm. it plain right because we're saying a whole bunch of stuff but what are we actually saying oh okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and who can do that because you're not going to catch nobody else do mm -hmm, just that that alone that was maybe that was like harmony black women black excellence in a space Mm, period we love to see it (laughs) love to see it love to see it um Dang, that was too, that was deep. I had something that I was about to try. Chanel just be just with she be just with it. Just it's, she said, "How did she go so quick with it?" Right. <laughs> That's what I was like, "Wow, she wow, just, that was she." That was she said great. everything that needed to be said. She woke up and chose facts. Period. Yes, that part. She woke up and chose facts. Okay, because TV show. Where's it at? Oh, broadcasting network. Where's Radio, it at? Thirteen ten the light. Come Good on, mornings. now. Chanel in the morning. Y'all coming? Chanel in the morning. Chanel in the morning with your host Chanel Henderson on thirteen ten the light. Come on, I will be tuning in. Come on now. Every morning at six a.m. Come on now. What's up, Indiana? It's your host Chanel Henderson, and this is Chanel in the morning. Blasting that in my dorm. Don't care. (laughs) Eating my grits. Hey, can you you turn your volume down? I'm sleep. Absolutely not. It's Chanel in the morning. Should (laughs) pick up. You gonna hear these facts about black people? Period. And if you don't like it. You're racist. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just, uh, you know, we joke and stuff, but I'm just appreciative for these spaces that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just goes back to my part about black people being able, able to innovate and, you know, make something out of nothing. I actually just had finished up a recording um, a podcast for Hash It Out. And that was one of the things that I had said about black people is that we are always able to take something out of nothing and make it great. This pandemic really washed us out like of all the things that we were supposed to do when i tell you bsu we was planning during the summer we was coming with the heat <laughs> for in-person events and IPY said absolutely y'all not, not doing nothing <laughs> figure it the heck out y'all are not doing anything mm. um you know just shout out to the bsu e-board i think that they have done an amazing job of just being able to take what we were given and create something we've they've done a great job you know i i I think i speak for myself and chanel that we can't take all the credit for it that e-board has worked their butts off like child the late night meetings (laughs) the up till 1 (laughs) a.m they were tell but don't be, uh, Tessa, they, they don't think I'll be working. Yeah, don't. <laughs> they, they don't. They don't work their butt off. Uh, but that brings me back to my point: is that I think this pandemic really wiped us out of everything that we wanted to do, like the Juneteenth cookouts, the just being able to be together in one another's presence. Mm-hmm. Um, it it kind of messed us up. But what I love about us is we started creating these spaces, these podcasts, these going lives on Instagram, these doing these things on TikToks. Like we started creating and innovating ways that we can still be around one another. We can still be in each other's presence. Um, And I really just think that is beautiful about black people. Like the way we are able to just take what we are given and still do amazing things with it. Like just thinking about the way we came to this country, we came here with nothing with nothing and then you look 400 years later 
the music that people listen to, the f- way people eat food, the way that people dress, the way that people talk, like the vernacular that they use, like the content that people create. That came, and I'm not saying other minorities didn't help, but the foundation of it, the, the country that we live in, the foundation of it, that comes from black people. And I just think that, that that's amazing. No, this country does not treat us the way that we we should we should be treated and we deserve to be treated. No, we are not given everything on a silver platter and we are not fed with a silver spoon. But when we look, um, there's something Lin-Manuel Miranda said in um, the musical Hamilton. Y'all know I love musical theater. He said, what is a legacy? It's planting a seed in a garden you never get to see. And I think, not speaking for my ancestors, but I think if my ancestors could see the country that they created, no, it is not perfect. No, in no way, shape or form. But the country that they created, the legacy that they left, the foundation that they built is great because they came here with nothing. Mm-hmm. And this country that we have is solely because of them. Solely the economy that we have that strengthened is because of them. It's built off the backs of African enslaved people. Um, and I just I, I think that that is beautiful. Like not trying to get emotional or nothing. You but I just over here with goosebumps. <laughs> I just I just I just think that that is beautiful. So like. Like I said, not to be redundant, we don't get everything in this country handed to us. We go through so many struggles on a day-to-day basis for solely being who we are. Mm-hmm. But 20 years later, my children are going to get to see the legacy that their mother created, the legacy that their great-grandmother created, the legacy that 400 years ago that their ancestors created. It's this country. And you know how dope that is to say that the legacy that my ancestors left is a country. Right. It's a country. Be like people ask you in an interview. So what? 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 What legacy do you want to leave your children? This country. I left this country for my children. Like that. That's dope to say. Like yeah. that is dope. Uh, so yeah. Beginning back to my initial point. Like black people are so beautiful, and our struggle is not the prettiest. But like the struggle and the journey that we go through every day is beautiful because we always seem to manage to overcome it every single time. Um, yeah, that's just my little spiel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right, <laughs> snaps for you. <laughs> so, getting into our final thoughts, what are just some things that we want to leave before we we wrap up this podcast, this podcast episode? Don't worry, they will be back. <laughs> They'll be back before Lauren leaves me again to go to UC. Shut up. Whatever. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Any final thoughts? <laughs> She was trying to pass it to me, y'all. Sometimes we do it at the same time. Right. <laughs> they can't see it. Right. After you. Right. After you. <laughs> One of what? y'all go. <laughs> flip a coin. That's a right. Why are you trying to make me about flip a coin? Um, something that, you said something that we want to leave off on? Yeah, just something you want to leave off of. That we are just amazing people, and we always will be. Mm-hmm. We are strong people. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love us for real, Monique. Period. Come on now. Period. <laughs> um, you know, we done said a lot today. <laughs> but um, we didn't get to this, this place without a, a certain type of acceptance. And I think that reading about who you are mm-hmm. by people that wrote it mm-hmm. helps that awakening. So... If you don't like to read, that's cool. I love it. But learn the necessity that it mm-hmm. is. Because we may not like vegetables. 
or fruits. But we got to eat them or to live. water. But to live, mm-hmm. we must have them. So I do suggest that um, if you don't like to read, there are um, audio books so you can listen to to kind of ease you into that thing. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you'll get good enough to want to like watch the words why. <laughs> and then um, get into like some type of book club that also mm-hmm. helps you know have that dialogue and that open communication. But reading is very important. So I suggest you read, drink water, and listen to black women. Period. Period. Come on now. Period. On a shirt too. No, that ain't me. <laughs> Drink I say water. That's that piece. Open mic. Dang it! Somebody that already piece. had that. I want to say that's that piece. Drink mm-hmm. water, read a book, and listen to black women. It's something like that. Lauren, we creating that. We creating that. Black <laughs> is a rainbow merch. We're creating that. I I I swear, if any of y'all <laughs> copy that before I get to make a t shirt, we gonna fight. <laughs> we gonna fight. Um, I have two final thoughts, and then I'm a we gonna we gonna hit it out. Um, one, my mother used to always, my mother and my father used to always teach me and my siblings, um, know who you are and whose you are. Because when you know that, can't nobody else tell you nothing. So if I can leave y'all, if y'all don't, if y'all didn't listen to anything else I said during this podcast, when you know who you are, whose you are and where you come from, can't nobody else tell you nothing. You come from kings and queens, from palaces, like Literally, before we came here, we were kings and queens of places. Always remember that. So when you, like Chanel said, read a book, listen to black women. When you know whose you are, where you come from, can't nobody else in this country tell you different at all. Last thing, um, there's this Tyler Perry play. I love Tyler Perry. He's very controversial, <laughs> but I love his plays. There was something in uh, his play, Medea's Farewell Tour. Um, plot is not really important, but... Medea's granddaughter was going through a messy divorce or whatever and her husband was very verbally abusive and she was very passive about it and it got to the point where Medea was like okay I've had enough and she told her granddaughter the story of um her her um her granddaughter's mother um who Tamla Mann um when Tamla Mann was a child um she would always get bullied by this little girl and (laughs) her mama was like okay sweetie I'm gonna make you your favorite food or whatever to take to school and she went to school she went to school and um the principal called Medea and Medea was like look if that little girl don't beat up my daughter it's gonna be an issue when I come down there and the principal said nah that little girl tried to snatch core food and it was on um <laughs> and Medea said the point of that story was that as long as that girl was taking something that wasn't of value to Cora she didn't care but the minute she touched something of value she went to war with her and so right now, our black lives, our ch- black children, our black men, our black women are at danger. So now it's time to go to war with this country. It's time to go to war through our analytics. It's time to go to war through our doctors and through our lawyers and through our policies and through our political standpoints. It's time to go to war. It's time to go to war today so our children are not a hashtag tomorrow. So if y'all don't listen to anything else that I said, it's time to go to war. Thank y'all. I love each and every one of y'all. Happy Black History Month. Thank you for supporting me. And as always, that is how Chelsea sees it. Peace, y'all. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Chelsea. Um, I know this episode is coming to y'all super late, and I apologize for that. It's It's been a rough few months um, for me and my family, and I had to kind of take a step back um, and be with the ones that I loved while they were still here. Um, but I definitely did miss y'all. Season two is on its way, and I can't wait for y'all to see what is in store. Um, 
it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time so thank you for sticking by me through these last few months and you know being some of my biggest supporters i love each and every one of y'all be safe and that's how chelsea sees it y'all see y'all soon peace